0: Hi friends, I'm Molly from Relief from Darkness, and I'm here today with Dr. Lori and our teammate Allie recording a 10-session podcast that will focus on biblical recovery from substance abuse and addiction. So each session will focus on the CPR of recovery principles, along with biblically-based steps to walk into identity and freedom. So these steps have been influenced by the 12-step program of AA and take us deeper into the biblical foundation
1: of recovery. So with that, Dr. Lori, can you remind us what is CPR? Molly, I am so glad that you asked. Connection is C, and we have to connect with God, ourself, and others. The P happens to be psychoeducation because there is nothing more complex or fascinating on planet Earth than you guessed it, the brain. <laughs> and in our brain, there are two fabulous areas that we all need to know about. And that is the amygdala, which Molly affectionately refers to as the dong," and the RAS, the reticular activating system. And then finally, we have routine. We have self-care. We have reframing unspeakable, as we give it a new narrative, there's healing. And then finally, there is something bigger that all of us are called to do. So that, my friends, is a CPR. We're super excited. And if you've kept up with this podcast,
0: basically, we really heard that there's a need for this to figure out what are some practical things to walking out of substance abuse and addiction. So then we brought Ali on, who is literally brilliant. And mm-hmm. so far, She has talked about four topics. And so the first one was titled, Here I Am, Now What? Well, you know, that's pretty self-explanatory. The second one was, I Can't, But God Can, where we really recognize that we need a Savior, that we're in need of Jesus. And then number three was titled, Burn the Ships. No excuses. Here we are. We're doing it. And then number four was titled, I Got Spinach in My Teeth. Ew. And so what does it really take to look at that? And what is it even worth it to look at it? And what does that even mean? And now we are on number five, drum roll, please. (laughs) Own it. So with that, Allie, let us know what is own it. Confession.
2: Ooh, Ooh. Yeah. All right. Hmm. This is a good one.-hmm Well, you know last time we talked about how hard it is to just look in the mirror and recognize the uh, things that huh? need to be worked out. Now we have to own it and confess it. Uh,
0: um, this will be good.
2: Well, it begins again, lifestyle. It, it's just another step into the lifestyle that we are building as we walk out of our old life into our new um, So confession. Step five of AA says that we admitted to God and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And I just want to take it right off the bat with um, a passage from the book of Psalms. And it says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from my trouble and you surround me with shouts of deliverance. Mm -hmm. That is Psalm 32, 1 through 7. And 1 John 1, 5 through 9 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have confidence just from those two scriptures alone. We have confidence that the grace of God atones for our sin by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now we hold no shame in our old identity before we knew Jesus. He gives us this assurance and boldness to begin a lifestyle of transparency. James five sixteen says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So again, if we hide our defects, and, and this is something that I really try to nail home every time I talk through this because it's so important to realize that if we hide our defects, quote unquote, as uh, some... People uh, refer to them, if we hide these things that we're talking about, we're still holding them, meaning they still have a root in our lives, and they certainly will bring destruction. Secrets are the devil's playground, and they keep us sick. I'm going to say it again. Secrets are the devil's playground, and they keep us sick. The call for transparency and confession comes from the fall of humanity, actually. So after Adam and Eve sinned against God... You know, God tells Adam that they can eat um, they can eat the fruit. They just can't touch the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan, who is crafty, comes along and he tempts Eve and he tells her it looks good. Um, God surely didn't say this. He sowed seeds of doubt. She chose sin. She chose not to do as God had commanded. She led her husband into sin. And then we see that they... Realize they realize at this point what they had done, and I I love this because Genesis three tells us then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden, just just to intersect. Really quick, we're talking about Adam and Eve who were in perfect fellowship with God, the ultimate design they were living in, and they chose sin. And so, suddenly, they're hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord, which is the only thing that they've ever known. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. There's so much to unpack. They hid from the presence of the Lord, and God calls out to them. He is calling to them, Where are you? He is right there. He already knows. He knows where they are. He knows what they've done. It's not a secret. But they in their shame are hiding. But I love that the Lord offers an opportunity for Adam to come and say, this is what I've done. Something that I always have noticed in this passage is that Adam doesn't fully take responsibility for what he had done. He casts the blame Mm -hmm. on Eve. And then Eve cast the blame on Satan. And I just think that that's something to really pay attention to because it's easy for us to do that. Well, I acted this way because someone transgressed against me. Yeah. But that's not what God is calling us to. He's calling us to examine ourselves and to return to him. And so I absolutely love uh, that passage. I love the story of David and Bathsheba, you know, David sees this beautiful woman bathing and he desires her. He's a king. He could have any woman he wants her. She's married. He gets her pregnant. Her husband is honorable and he is at war fighting for his country. The king himself is at home while his men are out fighting. And so after he realizes that she is bearing his child, he calls the husband home, not to say this is what is done, but so that. The husband would sleep with his wife, and then David wouldn't have to deal with the sin of what he had done, uh, the, the result of the sin that he had committed. And so instead of, even at that time, repenting, Uriah goes back out to war, and David has him killed. And so it's like, he made a decision, and rather than confronting it, it just continued, and he was in this spiral, and this... Uh, of of sin and a cycle that was just like getting deeper and deeper. And so God sends Samuel to confront David with his sin. And we see throughout scripture that David, he got angry at how Samuel presented it to him. Samuel came to him with this uh, quote unquote story that he was saying, what would we do here? And when David is like, okay, well we're going to call this man to judgment for what he has done. Samuel says, but this man is you. And he's confronted right there with his sin. And we see David repents. Mm-hmm. He repents. And all we can, we can see through his writings of Scripture, his heart being poured out and him recognizing all of these things. God, I have messed up, and but you are faithful to forgive. Um, like we just read, you are the hiding place. You have covered my sin. You have forgiven me. But it started with that confrontation and that confession. We have to get real. We have to get real. Secrets are the devil's playground and secrets keep us sick. Mm -hmm. You can't crucify what you cover, right? Okay. So God already knows, but do we trust him to help us heal from these things that we're dealing with, from the hard things that we're finally confronting that we've probably been stuffing down for years and years and years? Maybe we don't even realize that they are there until we've started listing out all the things and, and really just examining our hurts and, and our behaviors and the things, our strongholds or what drives us to go maybe use or uh, drink or, you know, pursue any habit that we picked up in that lifestyle of addiction. It's just really important for us to know that He, God, He is faithful he is just. He is our victory to overcome. He is our confidence. He is our hope. And He won't ever let us go. And I I can't speak for everybody, but I know that's a, that's a big thing for me to trust in my God. Because He's not going to leave me. He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to forsake me. I belong to Him. Mm-hmm. And I can have trust that when I mess up, and I do, or when the things of the past come up, and and sometimes they do, and I'm like, oh Lord, I never saw this, I never realized this, but I can take that to Him, and I can trust Him to help me work out my salvation in that matter. And it's a it's a safe place. It's safe because He is trustworthy. None of us necessarily are, yeah, but He is. And the second part of this step being. And to another human being, I am sure that Lori probably would have some great insight to this, but it's really important for us to be able to go to somebody with flesh on and say, here are, here's all this stuff, but we need to have wisdom in who we do that with. And so if there, if you are in a place where maybe there's nobody that you actually trust, I would say, take some time and build your community and find safe people who first and foremost are going to point you to Jesus Mm -hmm. because he is the healer and that they're going to walk alongside you in grace and wisdom. And they're not going to call you back to where you came from. And they're not going to cast shame on you. They're not going to cast condemnation or judgment or the things that often will keep us down when the Lord is trying to bring us out of something. And so, Um, I just have a couple of more scriptures to share and an ending point. Um, Just a reminder that Paul writes in Romans 8, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is freedom. There is no condemnation. And then further on in that chapter All rights likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So even when Maybe we're in a place of of being prompted to pray and we don't have the words. We don't fully understand what it is that we're even supposed to be praying for. We have confidence. The, the Spirit is already praying. The Spirit is already yeah. taking those things. The Lord is the one who searches our minds and, and the mind of the Spirit. And so as we're taking these hard things, if we don't have every detail That we think we should have the Spirit knows what's going on and and is working on our behalf before the throne of God. And I love that. I have assurance in that. um, It's another thing that I just hold on to, that the Lord, the Lord is, He's the one that's doing all of this. Right. In me and through me. And that I don't have to live with my head down because of the things that I once did or who I once was. Because that's not who I am anymore. And so confess and be free. Um, this step is the first towards actively living by faith in your recovery. By And and it just is building on a lifestyle of transparency. We've got to live in transparency.
0: Absolutely. And this reminds me of the woman at the well, of course. But you know, like whenever she's, so she's walking, she's going to the well and she's just had this encounter with Jesus where he's asked her for a drink and blah, blah, blah. And on, as far as confession goes, whenever he says like, okay, like she's like, I want some of this water that you're talking about. I want some of this living water to drink so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here every day in my shame and in my, like she's hiding, right? Which is just parallels so well with Genesis three and she's hiding in her shame And she's like, I want this water. Will you give it to me? And he says, yes, go call your husband and come back. And then if we look at her response, she says, I have no husband. And if we stop there, that was her transparency. That was her vulnerability. Like she just shared with a stranger or another human. I mean, God, fully God, but fully human But she just confessed. She didn't say, okay, yes, let me go call my husband and I'll come back. She says, actually, like, I have no husband. And it's out of that place that then he's able to minister to her. It's out of that confession of I have no husband that then he can say, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. But she had to start that conversation with an openness and a vulnerability say, actually, I have no husband. And it's just mind blowing. So Dr. Lori, Mm -hmm.
1: can you give us the CPR of owning it and confession? Absolutely. I think it's really important that we have to be really real with where we're at. And so if I need directions, and if I need to get to a certain location, and I ask someone for directions, they're going to know where I'm at. And if I lie to them and tell them, a different location than I'm really at, then the directions that they give me won't be relevant. And so it just makes sense that whatever we need to do, our brain is actually ordered for survival. And we think that we need the drugs or the addictive behavior or whatever need that's fulfilling, whether it's a dopamine spike in our brain or, but we're more desperate than that sometimes even more for our family or even the air that we breathe. And so in order to try to protect that in the past, we've had to lie and not be really true with others with where we're at and not take a really good hard look at where we're at. And then people have tried to instruct us or we've tried to encounter Jesus with this facade. And people can't give us accurate instructions. They can't be the one with skin on if we don't tell them where we truly are. And so it's not from, from the past without shame or condemnation. It's neither here nor there. But we have to know that a lot of times with addiction, then lying and deceit and those things accompany all of that. And so at what point are we sick and tired of being sick and tired? Yeah. And that God is actually pursuing us. He's been with us the whole time. He's right there in the middle of it all and i love with the david and bathsheba then ultimately then god sent someone to david so that he would have a realization of where he was i want to read mark 4:22 and i'll read it out of the new living translation it says for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought up into the open and every secret will be brought to light and so i love that we can bring it to light to god in desperation and cry out to him even though It's activating the fight, flight, or freeze thing in our brain, even though we've been covering it, even though we've been lying and in deceit. At some point, we just have to stop, confess, and get really real with also someone with skin on so that we can get the right instruction and that somebody who's walking alongside of us can give us accurate information so that we can get where we need to be. And so this is going against all the neuropathways that we've created. Our routine that's fostered the addiction needs to be absolutely altered. Probably more than likely the people that we've hung around with, we can no longer be around the familiar environments that trigger the addiction cycle have to be modified. But it all starts with just the confession of being really real with where we are and what needs to happen.
0: So Dr. Lur, can you go into a little bit more detail of like who safe people are or how would you identify someone who you should confess to or
1: maybe people that you shouldn't? Yeah, I think it it would be really interesting to think about the the people that we're around. And so I love to think about it. There's concentric circles and in my inner circle, what makes a safe person? And just because Uh, they feel safe doesn't necessarily mean that they're safe. And so I think, especially in regards to addiction, we need to be around people that aren't actively using and haven't actively used in quite some time. And it's not that we don't love the people that are still using. It's not that we're better than them. It's that I can love everybody equally, but I can only spend the equal amount of time with the people who are doing the functional things. And so I think it's really good for us to get a good look and a picture in our mind's eye of what we want to become and hang around with people that are like that. And I love what Ali talked about, that if we haven't built that community, and more than likely we have not, because we are a big, hot, dysfunctional mess, then we're going to attract big, hot, dysfunctional messes. So more often than not, we're going to have to start over. Or maybe there are some broken relationships with secure people that have said, hasta la vista, I love you, but I can't continue to be around you if you continue in this behavior. And so maybe we need to reconnect, if we can, with others that are safe. Or maybe we need a a therapist or uh, maybe we need a pastoral care or something at that level. Okay, that was really good. And that's where... I
0: think the most, like, fear that comes from it, that once you confess it, that it's going to be immediately you're going to be rejected. As soon as you have to face the, I think, people who are walking out of substance abuse and addiction of any kind, but it's that, it's that owning your consequences, like, owning that there's consequences to your actions and that it might not look how you think it should look, but just knowing, like actually, like, I did that. And this is the consequences to that. That's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I remember exactly what it was like, like having to (laughs) own up for things that you've done and not even it was after addiction. But then you're still in that mindset of like, Oh, no, I don't want the responsibility for literally anything I've ever done ever. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it's going to be this big, huge, long thing. And I mean, I remember even to the point of like, I went to a donut shop and I had, <laughs> I had uh, stolen eight dozen donuts. And then at some point later on, about three years later, it was still lingering over me. And I was like, I think, you know, I think we need to, we need to go pay for those. But the fear of walking into that donut shop and being like, hey, three years ago, I uh, stole these donuts and not just not knowing the consequences of what they were just produces a lot of anxiety. And so I think if people can get past that or past the point to where it has to be, I want Jesus more. And if he's asking me to face consequences or to do whatever it takes, then I'm fully prepared to that for that because Lord, I want you more than I'm afraid of consequences. Hmm. But I want your desires for my life. Does that make sense? Yes. So Allie, what has been what are some of the consequences or things that you've had to like own up to? Oh man. In confession,
2: there is many. But I, a lot of it was with my parents. Um, I spent, I I don't know how many times I owned up to something that they had thought that I'd done that I'd never actually, you know, confessed and then had to say, no, I did this. And, but I, I explicitly right now I'm remembering sitting at my parents' table and I don't remember how long I'd been clean, but I was watching them. And I just had such a heavy heart for the pain that I had put them through. And I just remember saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And thank you. Thank yeah. you for, for just being there. You know, um, there's still times like that. But So I stole my truck, quote unquote, wasn't really my truck. It belonged to my parents. Um, after I'd run away from home, we went to go get my truck. And there was a wreck on the way back, and it was on fire in the middle of nowhere, and they had to find it. And it wasn't until years later that uh, that came out into light, and they knew. Yeah. They knew what had happened, but it still is just... As I'm saying this, I'm thinking about even in rebuilding and reconnecting, as Lori was saying... Those confessions build upon the foundation that we have already begun. And for me, like, the people that I hurt that were innocent along the way and just received all the hard things that came from being around me during my addiction, they trust me. Yeah. Today they trust me. They know that if I mess up, I'm, I'm going to own up to that. And it is a really amazing thing that has come from it. And it took a lot to get there. But again, going back to that transparency is incredibly important. But realizing that the other side of this comes, you are rebuilding your character. Mm -hmm. And you
0: are rebuilding relationships. And I think that's where freedom is. I mean, there's freedom in being able to approach someone and be like, hey, Here's what I've done, or here's what I'm doing, and I'm sorry. And as that trust is building, it, that's building a kingdom a kingdom relationship, mm-hmm. which is how he intended it. Because how could we bear one another's burdens if we won't even bring them to the table? Or how can we share in that and edify one another and speak life into situations if we won't even let people know where we are and what our struggles really are happening inside of us or even externally? So I think that's really good. Dr. Lori, do you have anything?
1: Well, and I'm wondering if we're in the game and we're going to follow Christ, if we just realize that when we accepted Jesus, we got 100% of the Holy Spirit that Mm -hmm. lives in us. And so now if we push reset, and if we find out what are fouls and what aren't fouls, and if we just start there that I'm going to look to him and that I have a hundred percent of him. He's always there with me. I just haven't recognized him and that anything that he says will be destructive. Then it's just a no fly zone. And could it really just be that, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. And so now I'm not going to lie. And now I'm going to start to develop and now I'm going to be more desperate for him And I'm going to choose him and I'm going to be fueled by him and I'm going to behold him and I'm going to look to him and I'm going to confess all of these things to him. And then I'm going to try to make amends and to rekindle those relationships that were healthy. And then if I'm just real with him in those confessions, and then if I truly repent and turn from those things, then he'll start to rebuild the new neural pathways in my brain with me and things will change and I'll never be the same. And so if I let go of what I'm so desperately trying to grasp in secrecy and in hiding and not confessing. And if I'll give that to him, he's got something that's just so much bigger and so much better. And so it starts with him and it's all about him and it ends with him and what I behold, I become. And so as I behold him, could that be enough? And then as I behold Him, then I choose to play the game with the way that He set it out to be played. Yeah, Allie, do you have any final thoughts? Is
0: that all
2: I had? No, I think Lori just summed it up really well. Mike dropped
0: it. We could leave it at that. Okay, so here's what I'm hearing: is if you're in this place, if you're in this place when it's time to confess, and there's something being highlighted by the Holy Spirit of something that needs to be brought to the light. To bring you freedom. That if there's something going on. Like don't be like how David was. Whenever it just spirals. When you get into a sin cycle. That just goes deeper and deeper. And then suddenly you don't know how you even got there. But if he's highlighting something. That now's the time to bring it to the light. And now's the time to find safe people. Who are thrusting you towards Jesus. And to own it. To own the things that you've participated in. The things that you've done. Or the things that have been done to you and get into a safe community that's that's loving you straight to Jesus and that will that will encourage you and strengthen you and and help you with your faith walk and find them and let it out and confess it to Jesus and let him know exactly where you are and don't hide in shame and in and in condemnation because that's never from him That's the thing that will drive us away, but we need to run towards God. We need to run towards Him whenever things look hard or whenever we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing or there's secret sin. So that's what I'm hearing, that now's the time, you guys. Now's the time that we need people. We need people playing on the field. We need people who are are in their wheelhouse of what they've been originally created for to advance the gospel, that we need that right now. And when we look at the woman at the well, after she, after she let him know that she had no husband, and then he told her about herself, then she was free to go and she took off that shame and she was free to go and do exactly what she's called to do in her original design. And she ended up being the first evangelist and she was a woman, but he has a story for all of us in our original design and secret sin and shame will keep us from it. So go and confess. So this has been relief from darkness, biblical recovery from substance abuse and addiction. Because if you can confess and if you can start to get in community with safe people and let them know where you are, then you really can start to change things. And as you start to change, your brain starts to change. And if you change your brain, then you change your life. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys, and we will see you next time.